Love the art in the place. Thanks. It's nice. I've seen this in a few of your videos. Oh yeah. Is it random or did you just did you buy stuff like? It's a famous painting from the Renaissance period. Yeah, I like that period. Yeah. What is it about it that you like? The Renaissance. Well, it was like the end of the Dark Ages, right? So like. Yeah. The priests claimed they had all the truth and it was very dogmatic and kind of depressing. And there was not much creativity. And then they started mixing everything. So, like, artists collaborated with, like, um, furniture makers who collaborated with painters who collaborated with chemists. And and everything just started mixing. And then all of, there was, like, an explosion of creativity. Mm. Um, and the art from that period... It's just so, you can tell, like it's just so colourful and there's like a sense of like craftsmanship in it. Yeah. Yeah. What made you go for the colourful school logo? Um, well, it's kind of annoying when you have a brand and you have to choose one colour, <laughs> right? Well, you know, like most brands are just one color. Right. But the idea of school, like it's a community platform, we want to have a billion people using it. So that means that there's every, there's a lot of people on there. And if you have a few colors, chances are that one of them you might like. <laughs> it's, um, so, I'd you know, some people might not like blue, some people might not like red, some people might not like green. But if you mix them up... I think it's more, I don't know, there was that part of it. There was also just, I liked it, logos in the older internet, early 2000s. There was a lot of colorful logos. If you look at eBay's logo, right? Even right. Apple used to have a multicolored logo, right? So there was a, a period at the start of the the technology industry, which is when the Renaissance was, I reckon, mm -hmm. which is why it was like that. And it lets playful, that's the other one. Because I wanted school to have a playful, fun thing to it. Yeah. Um, and I remember like looking at, I just went to Google Images and searched like corporate word I didn't want. Um, and you just sit back, you look at the screen, it's all blue and gray, right? Then you search fun and it's all, all of these different colors, right? So just from like far away, if something's like corporate fun, um, I wanted it to be fun and playful and, yeah, that's some of the reasons. There was more, but, yeah. It's really interesting that you think, like, the, the early 2000s were the renaissance of the internet. Because I have to say, like, as a user of school, like I was just saying the outside there, it when I use school, it feels nostalgic to me. Mm. And I think you just unlocked why that could be. Yeah, I grew up with the, with forums and I love them. But I can see why they also kind of ended because they're just a bit too old you know like <laughs> like they're not live and updating you don't get much of a feed you've got to like dig through many links to get to something and you know they don't have likes and and the chat is ancient and you know there's just i can see why they're not the main thing anymore but there was something about forums that like a spirit that was lost when they they were gone away um, so I wanted to kind of like keep that spirit, but modernize it a bit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. So a lot of school is kind of like that. When you use it, you're like, this is kind of old, but it's also like new. It's, it's a little puzzling. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it has a lot of the modern good bits, but the nostalgic old bits that I think made the internet so pure and, and so fun. As a user. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. Like, use the best of modern technology um, and user experience patterns, right? But keep the spirit that was lost with social media. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because every social media platform started off awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think... Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Except for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I love that Google image search between corporate and fun. Mm. And I hope I hope you don't mind me saying this, but like I remember like your videos like whenever I was like a teenager and it was like short hair, super slick, kind of like big, I don't know, was it like mahogany desk or something? Yeah. It was that one. Was it that one right there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You brought it? Yeah, I mean, it's brought a good the past forward. It's a good desk. I didn't want to get rid of it. And you, like, you were super slick. Yeah. And then you disappeared for a few years. Mm. And then you came back and you had long hair and there's like all this color and there seems to be like a lot of fun. Mm. Tell me about that. Well, you know, when I first started like kind of making courses and, and trainings, there's, I, I was trying to be more professional because I was also quite young. People, and back then people were like, why would I listen to you and, and all of this? And, and people would say, oh, that's not a real business. And mm. it, there's less of that now. People have adapted now and like there's none of that actually. But I was like, there was a bit of that that I was trying to show that I was like more professional, that I was running a proper business and trying to and probably overcompensating too for like a for insecurity that I had about myself um and yeah so I just wanted it was kind of like a I guess like a character mm-hmm. I mean I did live in that place right and that was my desk but I never <laughs> wore like a business shirt I always wore t-shirts um and yeah, I guess I was also just trying to discover myself as well. Um, but, yeah, I just, I got tired of that. Like, it wasn't, it was, I didn't like New York, for one. It was just too much for me. I like places that, are, I like nature, basically, so it was <laughs> torture. Um, and I'm not very professional, like at all so (laughs) so and i also don't like making like videos um or being famous or anything like that so it just got to the point where it was and also it was rubbing people the wrong way like people would call me things and then i'd read comments and i was like fuck these guys they're right (laughs) because like i was like I can't just call this person an idiot. Like, I'm pretty sure that they're right. And then it just made me think a lot about it. And I was like, yeah, this something's off. Like, I can tell it's, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. There's like some pretending or there's some, it doesn't feel good. I'm kind of like tired of it. Right. And it seems to be agitating some people. So I just knew it was off. Mm. And I was like, my wife was was the one who was like, you should, she was very good in helping me like discover really what I should do because she's an artist. So she's very good at like finding that, that purity thing. And she, she would almost tell me like you were, like what you're doing is gross basically. <laughs> she's pretty direct. Um, and... And then I was like, okay, well, I need to try to figure out what I want to do. And we moved to L.A. That was the first step. And I was like, okay, this is better. And then when I was living on the beach, because we were living in Marina Del Rey at first, I, and I didn't have a, a hairdresser because I was new to L.A. So my hair was just growing longer. Not intentional at first, but it just started to grow longer. And I was like living at the beach. I was just way more relaxed. And I started exploring... I started coming up with the idea for school Um, and I'd also saved a good amount of money so I could like, I could have a swing at something big and not worry about just trying to make money, Mm. right? Um, And that's when I started like discovering school. It kind of came to me slowly, like in in little pieces Um, and I couldn't even see the whole thing at first just the tiniest part of it. And I had no idea if it would work or not, but my wife believed 
that it would. Mm. And I was so exhausted of the other thing right. that I was just like, fuck it, let's try. What were some of those early pieces? And at what point did it start to connect together where you're like, ah, there might be something here? Mm. Well, when I was making courses, I noticed that like more people would use the community than the course, right? Like let's say you sell someone a course and they've got their login to their course content and then you you used to make a Facebook group for your customers, right? You look at the stats. People don't log into that content portal much at all. They forget where the login is, like for sure. They actually forget the domain name, right? <laughs> so like they don't even know where it is. And but they seem to use the Facebook group quite a lot. And then I'd look at the content in there. I like added it all up. And I was like, man, every like couple of weeks this community produces more content than is in the whole course. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I noticed two people from my courses got married. And I was like, damn, that that wouldn't have happened with just that course. And, you know, people started like innovating. They came up with accountability partners. They started practicing sales calls with each other, rehearsing. Um, some people became business partners. Some people got married. And I was just like, wow, this is, there's something here. Like this seems like the future of it. Um so I knew it was a combination of, and I also could tell that this industry was taking off. Like, you know, traditionally education's like falling apart, mm-hmm. right? And I knew that there was something to this. Like it would be like Facebook groups, but somehow there would be the course component built into it. And it would be like a, a platform that would be so easy to use. It would be like Airbnb. Right, So as simple as listing a room on Airbnb so that anyone can do it. You don't need to know the tech. That was the other thing I noticed over the years is the tech burden was just getting out of control. Oh, dude. And even for me, and I'm quite technical, right? Yeah. And so I was like, this is, I'm exhausted. And the, the, these rules are changing every day, like, you know, the compliance rules, GDPR and, and all of that crap. And then... You know, the tracking and you pixels. Need, and buy like six, ten things. It's like, you need yeah. up here and you need this and use this for your landing page, but use this for your website. And like, it just gets And so- the maintenance of trying to keep it running. I found it basically impossible to even get it to run properly, <laughs> let alone like continue to run properly, right? So I was like thinking, this is out of control and it seems to be getting worse and... There's no way a normal person can do this, nor should they, right? Um, So I noticed all of these things, and I also noticed that the market seemed to reward you for spending more time on marketing than the product. What do you mean by that? So if you just forget, back with like how things used to be, if you just like kind of spent more time marketing and less time making a good product, you could do better. Right. And I thought that that meant that the market was flawed, right? So I had this this vision that, well, what if you just worked on the product and then it became you were the most successful based on that, right? So the best thing won instead of just the best marketing. Um, and I wanted to – so these are all very, like, vague ideas, but I wanted to build something that – kind of encapsulated all of this. Mm. Where did the name school come from? I think I wanted, I, I just thought of school, like S-C-H-O-L, right? And I emailed the dude that owned it, and he said he wanted like $100 million for it or something. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, well I can't do that. Uh, so I thought of some other spellings of it, and I used to spell it like that as a kid. Yeah, me too. And then I saw it like that, and I was like, damn it, it's better. Like, the K instead of the CH is shorter, right? And so I was like, that's good. It's also good luck to have double O's, apparently. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about that? Never. Loom, Zoom, Google, Facebook, Yahoo. So I liked it, and I was just like, okay, let's let's do that. And I could get that domain for cheaper. 
light a lot cheaper. Um, so went with that. And it's like school, but different. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, kids used to spell it that way to rebel, I think, against the the formality of school, right? So it was a rebellious way to to spell school. And so I like that because school was like it, it's education, but you would never think of it like that. Mm. Like you don't actually, you should never think that you're learning. It should be fun and you should be learning, but that's not... It's not formal and there's no real like teachers or there's no structured. It's one of the reasons why there's no quizzes in school, by the way. Because <laughs> um, I think those just kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, like I hate quizzes. Yeah, me too. And it, it doesn't mean that you're actually better at it. It just means you memorize some one particular thing. Yeah. Yeah, like any sort of system, it can be gamified in a bad way. Like you can just get really good at quizzes. Mm. It doesn't mean you've actually internalized any of this stuff. Yo, I remember I got very good at like Google AdWords and Google Analytics and things. And then one day I was like, oh, I wonder if I could get my Google Analytics or Google AdWords certification. I don't know why, but I started going through the like exam. And I was like, I don't know any of this crap. And it's useless. <laughs> I was like, I'm running a profitable like AdWords campaign. Yeah. So like, what? But how many people are certified that can't do it? So it, it provides a false sense of um, of skill because you should the, doing it should be the main objective. Yeah. Right. And if you can do it and it's working, I mean, who cares what anyone what any quiz says, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite authors is Seth Godin, and he talks about. You don't need a resume or a CV. Just show people your portfolio. So, like, if you're like yeah. selling social media services, just just show them your social media profile that has a million followers. It's like yeah. no certification in the world can yeah. trump that. You know? No, I agree. It's awesome. So, at what point does this idea start to pick up enough traction that you think about winding up your other business? Yeah, so... And when I say winding up, I mean having a really successful exit and sell, which was awesome. Well, it took a lot longer than I thought because, you know, it took me, once I sort of had the idea, it took me one year to find my co-founder. Yeah, because I knew that this was a technology company, right? And it's what I was trying to do was not easy. Right? Like, step one is you've got to make a platform like better than Facebook groups. Like, <laughs> come on. That's not easy. Sure. Um, and you're not just going to do that with some random engineer, right? They have to be special. And so I spent a year looking for him and a lot of time. Like, I wanted to give up the most at that point. Yeah. Um, but then I found him. And then we started building school. And at first, you know, it was very important that I just didn't think about making money. It was, I was all about making the product right. And I had no idea how I was going to make money, to be completely honest. <laughs> no idea at all. All I knew is it was going to cost a shitload of money. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, we were just building it and... And it took a long time to build and it took a long time to find the right people to hold that talent standard, right? Um, and to do it properly. And so, you know, we had the first version live after only 30 days, but it was so crude. Who built that? My co-founder, Daniel. Unbelievable. Yeah, but you... You don't know what the first Okay. <laughs> or it's made of like post-it notes on a digital screen. <laughs> uh, it, it was crude. Like it, you, you wouldn't have even known that that would turn into school. Put it that way. You have to start with the smallest piece. You don't just build all of this and then ship it. Like, God. 
you have to work in small cycles and constantly get feedback from the users, right? So we wanted to get something in front of users fast. So we had the first version live with 100 people in 30 days. And then it was just a constant process of evolution from then. We've been talking to customers every day, shipping things almost every day ever since then. Um, and it's been a slow, gradual evolution because you can't just think of it all in your mind and build it. You'll miss by a mile. It has to be a little change and then you see what people think, how it goes, and then you adapt it. And and then by the time you give it to people and they give you their feedback, the thing you thought you were going to do next might completely change, right? Because you might have missed what you thought was going to happen after you did that last thing. And so it took us a long time to build it. And then I kept consulting.com running at the same time because it was helping pay for the bills, right? Because uh, software engineers are expensive. Yeah. And I just really like downsized it and made it efficient so it could run without me as much as possible. Um, so it, most of my time was going into school. I would say maybe one day a week would go into consulting.com. Then we introduced a business model to school at like, I don't know, three years in, right? Because we were starting to get quite a lot of people on the team and we needed to hire more people. And I was like, okay, this thing needs to make money somehow. <laughs> um, and then we added that and then school started to grow and I was like, okay, I can see how this will work now. Like I'll be able to, well, you know, I still couldn't actually make the gap. It was very stressful, but I basically spent all of my money. Really? Yeah. I got down to like 50 grand, not in my business bank account, but in my personal bank account. What the heck? Yeah. Um, and I never got down to 50 in the business account. That would be reckless. But all of my personal money got put into this project, and I still couldn't get to like break even on that much. So it was like beyond my ability to fund. Mm. Even with Consonant.com too, the project just grew and grew and grew. Um, so I, I, it was a real stressful time because I needed all of my time, so I couldn't even afford to do Consonant.com. And I needed more money than it could even provide. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that was very stressful. And then I just, I don't know how it happened, but I came up with this idea to like, get my mastermind to see if they wanted to invest in it. Mm. So at the next mastermind event, I just told everyone, I was like, if you want to invest in school, like, let me know. And I was like, I didn't know if they would or not, but we, I was shocked. It was like, we, we raised about $5 million from them just for like a 10 minute or maybe a 20 minute mention at a, at a, at an event. And then that helped a lot. And then that made me think, okay, now I don't need to do this anymore. I can jump. I can make a leap of faith now. And yeah. I'm pretty sure with that much money, I'll be able to get to this point where, where it will start to like self-sustain. And that worked. Yeah, but I had to, when I shut down consulting.com and sold it off, there was still a leap of faith. I didn't know for sure. But I was like, if I put all of my effort and attention into this, I am I think I can make it. Um, but yeah, it's been it's dangerous stuff, this. Like, <laughs> I had no idea how we were going to make money, and then I spent all of my money, and then I even needed other people's money. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, it's been pretty wild, yeah. Why did you have the conviction? Because, you know, at any point, like, you can walk away. Yeah, of course, there's some cost, but, like, you're a smart guy. Like, you can wrap things up. Um, I just didn't, I just, I guess I just believed that there would be a way to figure it out. Like, sometimes I wasn't, because that's basically the story of school, right? Like, 
when I started building it, I couldn't even see the whole thing. So I didn't even really, we could just focus on one piece and then the next piece emerges and, and yeah, it's interesting. The pattern really has been like the community has come forward and provided almost everything. Mm -hmm. Like the, they've helped build the thing. They helped fund the thing. Um, like most of our investors are power users, right? And so it's been, once I learned that pattern, I was like, oh, okay, this is like school's DNA, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really interesting that DNA, I think, has filtered down to the user level, especially the community owner level, where you can just start with like a little idea about your group. And you don't have to have like the full course build. You don't need to have like all these massive product ecosystem. It's like you can start with the idea, get the community around you. And then from your own community, yeah, it all emerges. Yeah, that's right. Like that's and that's like the school games too. It's like let's set the conditions and the vision and the intention and everything, right? And then let's let it like emerge, mm. right? And that's that is true. That's how I how I do things now. Like everything, um, and that's not how I used to do them. I used to do it like very. Um, controlled, but that would always like suck out the fun and suck out the like the it would it would really suck out the fun and a lot of the creativity I found mm. instead of just letting it kind of happen mm. and letting it be more collaborative. Yeah, my granny is a wise woman, and she. When I was growing up, always used to say to me, it's like, you know, you can live your life in two ways. You can live your life with your fists closed, where you try to hold on to everything you have, but it also means new things can't be put in your hand, mm. or you can have the courage to open your hands, and yeah, you run the risk that some things might be taken away from you or fall off, but actually it also opens you up to like loads and loads of stuff being put in it. Yeah. How did you do this motion? Like what changed in you that allowed you to kind of like open up and let stuff go like that because that's a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that um well i mean if you're going to build something like this that's that is what it is right so like (laughs) it's user generated content um but one thing i found when i was doing concern.com is i was always so specific and like rigid in a way and some people are like, oh, I don't want to do it that way. And But I was like, well, that's what the course is. Like, too bad, basically. <laughs> um, and then, you know, people wanted to do different things, have different styles. But I was like, I just can't accommodate all of this. It's just impossible. And then, you know, people have different languages. And I was just like, oh, I, I'm just so useless as one person, basically. So... I started thinking, like, how would this work if it could adapt to everyone and kind of fill in all of the gaps? And, yeah, I realized it had to emerge like that. And then, you know, I just read a lot of stories, too, about really great companies, and I noticed that they all seem to evolve like that, too. Yeah. And I remember reading, like, some Zen like proverb or something about a, a vase, you know, a vase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing that makes a vase like so valuable and why people never throw them away is because it allows the user to put something of their own inside it. <laughs> mm. The Zen proverb was much more elegant, <laughs> elegantly worded than that, but that's what it said. Like, and I was like, ah, that's true. Like, and that's why people don't throw out Lego. Like, it's the only kid's toy that doesn't get put in the trash. Mm. Because you, it allows the user to do, like, what they want with it, right? Mm-hmm. And it might come with a pattern, but it, it can be combined with other things and stuff. And so I was thinking a lot about these kinds of things and wanted to make something like that. Mm. I mean, there's, like, a built-in quality to school. Like, kind of like Lego. Like... It's robust. It works. Like Lego doesn't add. It hasn't tried to reinvent the brick. Yeah. And I see you guys 
and even just the short time I've been with you guys today, something that really stands out to me is like how intentionally and slowly you release things because that quality is so, so important. And I think that's what you feel when you use the platform. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's building it properly and, you know, like to make something simple and intuitive and easy to use and fast. That is where all the hard work is. Yeah. Um, and you it, the, the, the other thing that helps you do that is you've tried doing that 50 different ways, right? So that's what takes time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like, I mean, it takes time to build it right too, but you just, it's a very iterative process. You just don't have the, like you have this idea for it, you, you build it and then you use it and you're like, no, this is not right. Or you, you think it's good, you ship it, users don't understand it. But to really get something perfect, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Where did Hermosi come into the picture? Speaking of like opening your hands and... Yeah, so I was like what happened with me in many ways building school. Like it's such a big project that at first I was kind of marketing it a little bit, barely, but a little bit, and building it at the same time, right? And I just, that wasn't sustainable. Like I needed all of my attention on school. I had no time to market it, but we needed to, to market it. And so I had that problem and then I just thought, well, what if we just got like a big influencer to help us? Like that would, that would, then I wouldn't have to worry about that, right? I wouldn't have to build an audience, wouldn't have to make content. Because at first I was like, oh, I'll just build some content. Like I built this podcast studio actually with professional microphones and shit, started doing episodes we were thinking we were going to cut them up, put them into shorts and shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, I did like four episodes and I was like, this is, this is, this can't work. Like, it, this is a full-time job making content, right? I mean, you even need a team just to make content. And then when you're not making the content, you're thinking about making the content. Right. So where am I, where's the skill fit into that? It, it just doesn't, right? And as you say, like even back in the consultant.com days, you didn't even enjoy that, the making the content bit. Yeah, and I think it's because I always just want to do this other thing. I think I could enjoy it if it was all I was doing, mm -hmm. but I've always wanted to do something else, so it's always been painful having to do it. Um, I just prefer to build things, right? And so I want to be building it, not like talking. Um, and so... I quit that. I was like, this is bullshit. We can't do this. And then I just started like talking to some different influencers. And Hormozy was like, we made a dream 100 list of like, who would be the biggest people that we could like partner with on this. And Hormozy was like right up there, like in the top three, I think. Um, and I just, I started talking to him about it. When I first started talking to him about it, it was probably like a year and a half before we even did this deal because I think when, when I first started talking to him about it, he wasn't so sure that he wanted to do anything like that. And also school was a lot newer. But then over time, I think he started to hear about school more and then, yeah, it just we, we had a lot of conversations. Like, like we were having a call almost every week for months and just exploring what we could do. And it started to come together, like how we would do it, like the, the school games thing, right? Um, and, and how the partnership would kind of work. And it just, you know, it just kind of came together probably over like six months. And then we, we launched it. Yeah. What was it like? Well, first of all, 
Hermosi's always been very particular and cautious about what he supports and endorses. Mm. And, you know, since he's kind of really blown up online, this is his first thing that I know of that he's like really gone all in on. And I think that's been very, very powerful. What, I think so. What's it been like for you to like have the the floodgates open onto this platform that you've been you've been building for what three plus years? Almost five. And then it took me one year to find Daniel before that. So six. More and then I was thinking about it for a while before that. Twenty. So, <laughs> and so we've only been doing it for almost five, but I spent one year looking for Daniel and then probably six months developing the idea. So like it's been a while. Um, it was good. Like it, I was nervous because I, in theory, I I thought it would work, but you just never know until you pull the trigger, right? Sure. So I was very nervous for a while, um, and then when we did it and it started to work, I was like, okay, this is good. Um, and then. You know, when we saw people make communities, rank on the leaderboards, invite people, build cool things, I was like, okay, this is this is working. And it was it grew, it's grown very fast. I told the growth team like no more. Like no like don't no less, but no more. Because <laughs> I was like, we need to make sure we keep our quality standards and hire enough people so that things don't get out of control, mm-hmm. right? Um. Yeah, it was. It's been great. It's like added a lot of energy into like into school, like a lot of excitement, a lot of awareness. Because I think school has it's always been a great product, but it most people just haven't known about it. Right. Yeah. And so it was cool that all of a sudden people found out about it and tried it, and they were like, "Oh, this is pretty good." Hmm. Yeah, and the parties. When there's more people in the party, the party's a lot more fun. Yeah. How do you keep the wrong types of people from showing up to the party? Because that can also ruin a party. Like we talked about the purity of the internet and how a lot of things start off great. I really respect your guys' slow approach. And I think that that is genius and will solve a lot of those issues. But what else do you guys do to keep that community pure? Yeah, well, I would say that when you you have to just kind of feel it. Like I check that community every day, multiple times, right? And I have a I've developed like a a real intimate kind of like feel of the 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 users and the network and the platform right and so when something's wrong i am in a lot of pain actually wow and and it it i think constantly about how to fix that and then i fix it and when things are right i feel calm Hmm. and so i've basically just like hooked my nervous system (laughs) up to it and i think it's just Letting, like, growing, but not letting things get out of control and then continuing to resolve the the issues as they emerge Mm -hmm. and making sure and talking to the customers constantly. That's the other thing. Like, I'm on the platform all the time. I'm using it all the time. And so that's really important and talking to people using it. But I also know who our power users are. Like, I notice them. Like, they, I notice them come up. And I talk to them on Zoom for hours. Mm. Like sometimes I'll talk, we'll have a three-hour Zoom call or something, and I'll go over, I'll like just interrogate them on what they think of this, what their problems are, and I can get a sense of if they're frustrated with anything. And then I share, and then I'm like trying to validate, okay, did I think that that was what it was? And I'm like, okay, so I understand your problems. Then I show them what I've been thinking. Mm. And then I watch them kind of react to that to see if I'm on the right path. And then 
I do that all the time. So like constantly talking to the customers, using the product and and feeling it. That's that's how. Because if there's a problem, you you have to fix it. Otherwise, it starts to feel wrong. Yeah. A lot of skill has been based on feeling, actually, which is very different than consulting.com. That's something that my wife, like, taught me. I think a lot of artists carry that sensitivity mm. into their art and that that... That is what art is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, super important. Yeah. Now, I've noticed that the best artists, they make something that resonates with an enormous amount of people, right? Mm -hmm. So how do they do that? I swear there's always something in the air. Like, not like a smell or something, but like the people, there's some energy people can sense, right? It's just like kind of the global consciousness or whatever. And the, uh, the best artists are the ones that are able to sense it the best, probably because they're the most sensitive. Mm. And they've also shedded off all of the fakeness so that they can, they're just feeling the real signal instead of just some trend, bullshit trend. Yeah. And then they make something that talks, that speaks to what everyone's feeling and it just grabs hold. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when artists do that, I don't know if it's like catharsis or what is going on there, but like it changes them. Like in the process of them creating their thing that's true to them, it somehow like transforms them as a person as well like how do you think building school has shaped you or changed you well i mean you can see how it has you just asked me like you know how different everything is right from consulting.com new york days yeah um it's it's almost just like it's come to me instead of me making it. You know what I mean? I've let it happen like that. Very cool. Hmm. Where do you see the future of school going? And what dent do you want this piece of art to make on the world? Well... I can only tell you what like the vision is for it and we have to wait and see, right? Because I can't predict the future. Um, but I wanted to build something that a billion people used. Like that was basically, I just, I wanted to do that. I don't know why. Um, I guess some of my favorite products in the world have reached a billion people mm. and there's something about making something that you know people are using like every day because mm. they'll notice those details. And I like the details. And if you're just making it for a disposable thing, you know no one really, you, you like poured your heart into that and you know people didn't even really notice, right? But when you get a lot of people using it intensely, they notice all of those little bits. Um, but where do I see it going? Well, I think community can get to a billion people, right? Like Facebook groups has more than 2 billion users and it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. It's true. So I think it's fair that that's possible. Um, and so helping a billion people find community is the, the mission and the vision. And how are we going to try to do that? By just making it better, like, by really helping, I think the key to it is really helping people to earn a full-time income doing what they love online, right? Like making money online, it used to sound like a scam, <laughs> right? But who doesn't want to make money online? Every, the whole world wants to make money online now, right? And it's not abnormal to make money online anymore. In fact, even like corporates are working remote. So they're technically making money online. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and doing something that you love. Like, I noticed that I used to do all of these different hobbies, like BMX, biking, Counter-Strike, and, and, and skateboarding and things. And I always noticed that once someone got to the point, it's like turning pro, where they got a sponsor or something, once they could do it, as their job, like every day, 
they got good so fast mm. because they didn't have to do something else to support their hobby. Their hobby was their their income. So it's like the moment you hit that point, it's just boom, like that. And I noticed that too, like the moment you can go all in on anything, mm. it it's insane the difference it makes. Like when I finally got the courage to leave my job and start this, my first business, it's like turning pro. Um, and so I think helping, I think we can help people discover their passions, right? Which is definitely like something a lot of people need help with because if you ask people what they love, they struggle to tell you. But then when they find that thing to help them develop it, like to get better at it, to find other people that like it as much as they do, to find friends related to your interest, I think is really powerful. A lot of people have interests, but they don't know anyone that also has that interest. So it's torture, like talking to people about the weather and some <laughs> sports and shit. Um <laughs> And so that, and then helping people to make it, to turn pro, to make like doing their hobby a full-time income, right? Because like people, Airbnb help people just earn a full-time income like with their house. Or you could say like Uber enabled anyone to become a taxi driver. Mm -hmm. Airbnb enabled anyone to become a hotel. School enabled anyone to, yeah. And there's a great Stephen Pressfield book called Turnin' Pro. Mm. You ever read it? I haven't, but I've heard it. I'll send it to you. You'll really like it. It's even the way it's laid out. It's like, you talk about art. So, so cool. But he talks about, like, it's the identity shift. So, like, when a skateboarder gets sponsored by whoever sponsors skateboarders, it's like their identity is like, I'm not a professional skateboarder. And then, like, everything in their life gets like reorganized into that new identity. And I love like Pressfield in the book, he talks about like, you know, if you want to be a writer, it's like you need to do things that like signal to your brain and your identity. It's like you are a writer. And what I love so much about school is that whatever someone's niche is, it's like they can sign up, they can create a community. And in a matter of minutes, if they can convince one of their friends to join their group and pay them, it's like they immediately can have that identity shift. And I think that's super powerful. You know, I think the powerful thing isn't really the getting a f person to pay. Because I think for the average person, um, well, this is something I found interesting with the course industry, right? It's that making a course as a beginner is something terribly wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't know anything about anything. But I, and think, you're it's like, why, I think it's why the industry is so scammy or it feels yeah, scammy. Because it, it's just like, it's a joke, what I just said to you, yeah. right? But that's what beginners are faced with. They're like, I've got to make a course. I don't know anything. So they make some shit up and it feels so wrong. Yeah. For a reason, because it is wrong, <laughs> yeah. right? And only so many people can like go through that pain barrier, which means that it's just this industry isn't joinable for the vast majority of the world for a good reason. And there's that's why the courses are painful to go through. Mm. They're they're equally as painful on the other side. I've noticed everyone dreads making a course, and everyone dreads watching <laughs> so i'm like what the hell is everyone doing here um so i i think the beauty of school really is for people getting started mm. because you do not have to think of yourself as an expert and you do not have to make a course and you don't have to charge that's the other obstacle like charging someone money for something when you don't believe in it is like it feels all wrong again, right? For good reason. Um, but what is quite natural, I think, is just to, to be interested in something and to bring together other interested people, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong about that. And it's very natural and you don't have to make a course. And you just bring everyone together and then you start to meet each other and then you've, you've made some friends. And when you've made a friend, you probably will show up the next day. And together, that's when things start happening. Someone might, they might start sharing videos from different places of trying to organize, like, what should we focus on? What problems do we have? 
and it kind of starts to emerge from there. Mm. And now you're at least doing something and you're interacting with people, you're learning things, you're getting better. You might not be making money yet, but that's like no one ever just starts making money straight away. Like that that's bullshit, right? Yeah. Like and it it's really important I think that people don't people understand that that's totally fine. You just need to get started and you need to just hang out with other people that are interested in this thing and let the just trust that the path will kind of unfold for you, right? Instead of needing to follow such a rigid path that doesn't feel right and almost never works. Um, Because I think that's what everyone's journey really looks like if you were to reverse engineer it, right? Yeah. It's kind of just like stumbling around, following interests a little bit, and then something happens, and then something else happens, and then it you see a need somewhere, and you you test something, and it turns into something. And do you know what I'm? I'm talking about? Hundred percent. Yeah. So I think the beauty of it is for the beginners, for getting started, and the fact that it it builds itself naturally as you go which means you never have to sit down and just like brute force all of this shitty content that you then force everyone else to brute force on the other side. So it's, it's a much more enjoyable experience for the creator and for the members Mm -hmm. because they get to play too. I think that's like what you just said there. I think like if we can internalize that, it's just a massive unlock. Like one of my favorite quotes is I come from a writing background, so a lot of my like stuff's through that lens. It says, "No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader." Mm. And I, I think like you were talking earlier about like the frequency that certain artists even give out. And I love that example. Like if there's brute force frustration in the course maker, there's going to be brute force frustration in the course consumer. Mm. Yeah. Whereas what I see with school, and like I see it in you, I see it in your team, I see it in the DNA of your company. And I see it in the use of the platform is there's just this joy. And I think like when stuff's created from that place of joy, it's just very, very attractive and everyone feels it. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Awesome. What would you say to someone who is on the fence about dipping into school? After listening to this. Well, at least try joining a group. <laughs> like, it's pretty easy. You can go to school.com and you can search for something. Anything. Like, search for, like, if you're into guitars, search that. Just join something. Like, and just try it. Yeah. Because you might not be ready to build a community, but I think everyone is looking for one, like to be a part of or something. Yeah. One of my favorite communities is Isaiah, mm-hmm. the, the dunker. Yeah. One of the tallest jumpers in the world, basketball guy. And he just carries so much joy for what he does. And his community just has that energy because he kind of sets that tone. Um, yeah, that's, that's because it's pure. I mean, the dude just loves to jump. He's good at it. Yeah. So he brings together everyone else that wants to. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Sam, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it.